0: Coming to you from the Eon Project Studios, overlooking the vast, pristine acreage of Primrose Village. Greetings from this hidden gem of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. Yeah. Jay and Mike. It's
1: quite the flourish you added to the end of Well, you know, I like to add a
0: little spice. Spice? Speaking of spice. Yes? It's Thanksgiving week. It is. Isn't that exciting? What's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Oh, you're
1: going to laugh. My favorite Thanksgiving dish mm. is whole cranberry sauce, mm-hmm. not the jellied kind. No, I, I like... make my own homemade out of cranberries. You do? Yeah. That must take some doing. No. It's very, very easy. Yeah? It's good. It's delicious. Yeah, here.
0: it's good. You put it on the sides. Very put it's, it on the it's, sides? Wait, ready? It's tart. Ooh, it's tart. You it's make, tart. You make it up with real cranberries? Real how cranberries. Do you get that, how do you get that gelatinous uh, texture? You don't.
1: You don't? It's like, well, when you cook the cranberries, they pop open. Actually, they, they audibly pop. They go...
0: Oh, and they, they ooze their innards into the pan? That's correct. And then it, wow. it becomes like a cranberry slurry. What if you took that and mixed it with the gelatinous one? I don't like the gelatinous no, one. No, you don't? No, that's gross. It's all can-shaped. Do you prefer the the dark meat or the white meat? I like white
1: meat. I, I find dark meat
0: to be mm. fatty and gross. Yeah, yeah. I'm a white meat man like myself. some chicks I've dated. Because the dark meat is, um, there are portions of the dark meat that are questionable.
1: Yeah, no, I agree you know you, don't I mean? know you don't know
0: what it is. You're not sure it's too, no. it's too dark. And you know and... what?
1: I found that the people who enjoy dark meat are all jerks. I was going to swear. Really? Yeah. People if you like, like my mother-in-law, she's all into the dark oh. meat. She's like,
0: "I don't want it unless it's dark
2: meat."
1: And of course, you know, the people from Massachusetts, "Dark meat." Hey, you he's causing the microphone to peek here. It's easy. Sorry, "dark." It's "dark <laughs> meat." So she likes she likes the dark meat. She likes dark meat and mm. To, to make matters worse and to add insult to injury, she only drinks decaf coffee. Ooh. Why would someone drink decaf coffee? I don't know. That's so stupid. Coffee
0: itself doesn't taste good. So what's I, the point?
1: I Well, I enjoy it, but the point of it is for the caffeine. Okay. Wouldn't you think? Okay. So, uh, ooh, we got, we got we're got we getting mail during the get show. We got a message
2: there. <laughs> wow. You, you know what
0: my mother does? Not my mother-in-law.
2: No, my you, mother your eats, actual mother. My
0: mother eats the neck of the turkey. No, she doesn't. Yes. You know that thing that you pull out of the and body? And you throw in the trash? No, no. She puts it in a... <laughs> Uh, uh like a soup, and it pulls it out and eats it. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awful. Your mother... <laughs> I've never heard of that. Speaking of strange
1: shenanigans... I thought shenanigans, you
0: made like a gravy with it, but then you throw it away. They could. They do. They make a stock. The gizzards. Uh, speaking of strange shenanigans, so we don't yeah. normally talk sports on this show. We don't. Uh, but did you watch the Monday night football game last night? Uh, between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Rams. Yes, two powerhouse offenses. I, you
1: know what? I wasn't going to watch it. I ended up watching it, and I'm glad I did. It
0: was an exciting game. Very if you exciting. Don't, if you like defense, that wasn't the game no, for you. No, it was a total combined, like, 100 points. 105 points. <laughs> 105 points. And uh, uh, out, offensive output uh, galore.
1: Although, you know what? The best defensive player in the, in the league is on uh, the Rams. He had two strip sacks. Uh, Donald. Yeah. But... Uh, that's his last name, Donald, not his first
0: name. Let me ask you this. So there's a uh, there's a color guy, a color commentator on the show. His name is Booger McFarland. Booger McFarland. Yes. And uh, he rides around in the Boogermobile Mobile on the sideline. Booger McFarland. Why is it that he accentuates and accents the sentence as it goes on when he's talking? But can you give an example? How, how uh, yeah. So he'll go, the quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams, Jared Goff, is the best quarterback in the world. Oh, he's adding emphasis. Emphasis. He emphasizes it. Todd Gurley just ran a 100-yard dash. You know, there's a couple of good uh,
1: color commentators. Most of them are terrible. Yeah. And they say things like, well, the goal, obviously, is what we want to do is we want to be able to score more points to defeat the other team. Do
0: you think they tell Booger to emphasize (laughs) as he gets towards the end of the sentence? I don't think he's probably a good public speaker. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. Mahomes. Why does he do that? I don't know, but the uh, the
1: other commentator kept saying, Mahomes! And then he would have like a mini orgasm. Oh! Oh! Okay. oh Mahomes! Yet again, Mahomes! That's a hard word to say if you have bad breath. Mm. And you're talking about... You're talking to somebody, hey, did you see Patrick Mahomes? You're like,
0: "Ooh. That's huh. so gross. Are we having a show today? We are having a show, but you know what? This is a... Uh, this is going to be an interesting show because... Fun. Uh, we, we, we do have some topics that we're going to talk about, but this is a free-for-all. This is... Uh, yeah. This is the last show before the holiday weekend. Yeah, we're probably going to be off for a few weeks, maybe. And uh, it's 8 in the morning, and we're uh, drunk. Drunk already. And uh, we're having fun. Day drinking. And there's going to be a lot of shenanigans. You, what do, you, do you do day drinking? Uh, on occasion. Don't you always regret
1: it later? Like, it feels great at the time. Yeah. But then, you know, like, 3 or 4 in the afternoon, you start going, Ugh, Yeah, you're all worn down and uh, tired. and gotta, Then you take a nap, and then you wake all, up, you feel like crap. All messed like up. kicked in the face by Speaking a mule. Speaking of which, we had an Eon Project um, field trip. This past weekend. We did. I was going to ask you about that. Yep. Yeah, we we, uh, we visited world-famous hypnotist, mm-hmm. Frank
0: Santos Jr., mm-hmm. at a local uh, casino establishment. <laughs> That's right. He's an entertaining uh, enter- entertainment hip- hypnotist. That's
1: right. So he hypnotizes people into doing strange and erotic things. And uh, my lovely wife uh, participated, as she normally does when we go to hypnotists because she's very easily suggestible, hence why she married me. Mm. And she went up there. Uh, he made her think she was a world-class stripper, mm-hmm. and she started doing exotic
0: dancing on the stage, which I knew she would do. Well, let me ask you this. <clears throat> yes. We might have a disagreement on this. Uh-oh. What are your actual thoughts on that type of his hypnosis that we w- that we watched the other day? My thoughts are... Well, hold on. Oh. For, so, for those of you that are not familiar, he's okay. a, he's, a uh, he's an R-rated hypnotist, they call him. Yes. And he brings people on stage, and he supposedly, quote-unquote, hypnotizes them.
1: Instantaneously.
0: And makes them do all kinds of strange shenanigans for laughs.
1: That's right. So I'm sure that he's not the only one that probably exists. Sure. People do that. My thought is this. I think probably half to more than half of the people that go up there are faking it. I think that, that there's a, a certain percentage that are faking it. I think that there's also a certain percentage that are actually hypnotized. And I know this because my wife would never do that crap in front of people unless she was under the influence of some kind of uh, uh, suggesti- suggestibility. Mm. Obviously, you disagree.
0: I do disagree. Okay, you think it's all made up. I think that 100% of the people that go up there... So he, he, here's the thing: if the guy, if, if this person had this kind of ability, where he could just in a matter of minutes just say a few things right. and get complete mind control over somebody, that yes. would be one of the most amazing abilities in the world. No, I, I'm with I'm with you. But so what I think is happening is that it's it's just first of all it's the power of suggestion. Number one, yeah, it's the entire environment. How yeah. there's a, the, this group of people is up in front of the stage and they feel a certain obligation so to entertain the audience. If he
1: did it like in a parking lot someplace, it wouldn't
0: be the same thing. No, I, I got no. You. I just think it's the, the whole environment. I think the people want to help participate. I think all they this want to make the, the audience laugh. All, all like that. of
1: that goes into it, but I think that there is a matter, a modicum of actual hypnosis that goes on. I mean, because hypnosis is, an, is a recognized thing. People, do you, do you not agree that hypnosis is a real thing?
0: Uh, maybe for maybe in a in a, in a controlled environment in a, in a therapeutic uh,
1: yeah. sense, possibly. Well, this guy does you know weight loss and t- 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 smoking. Cessation and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The whole thing is kind of up in the air. But I, my wife is not a uh, is not an exhibitionist in any stretch by any stretch. Um, but she was up there doing some. She and we've been a few times, and she does it every. I don't
0: know. And people feed off of the crowd too. Sure. They get up there and they get a couple of laughs, and next thing you know, they're totally into it. Yeah. Well, it's just like anything. Like Rocket Robbie. <laughs> oh yeah. So what are we talking about today? Uh, well, I think. I think we're going to talk about a couple of uh, true crime uh, events yeah, that occur. We're going to
1: delve into the true crime world a little bit today, and we're going to talk about some uh, some interesting cases in 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 history, as we often do on this program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and actually, the cases we're going to talk about, one of them is really old, and then a couple of them are uh, from from uh, uh, lesser old, sure, <laughs> lesser old, lesser old. But before we get into that, I have a quick news story I want to talk about. Okay, and this is something which, if true, would be what, and actually after we get done after I tell you about it I want you, I want your honest opinion mm-hmm. we haven't discussed that we're going to talk about this today. Here's the headline. This is from a major news network that I won't plug because I don't. They're not paying us. Interstellar object may have been alien probe. Harvard paper argues, but experts are skeptical. Mm-hmm. Here's the story. A mysterious cigar-shaped object spotted tumbling through our solar system last year may have been an alien spacecraft sent to investigate Earth, astronomers from Harvard University have suggested. The object, nicknamed Umamamua, meaning a messenger that reaches out from a distant past in Hawaiian, was discovered in October 2017 by the Pan-STARS-1 telescope in Hawaii. Mm. Have you been to Hawaii? No. Me neither. I'd like to go. Since its discovery, scientists have been at odds to explain its unusual features and precise origins, with researchers first calling it a comet and then an asteroid, before finally deeming it, first of its kind, a new class of interstellar object. A new paper by researchers at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysicists, which sounds like a bunch of smart people. Physicists. Smart people. People smarter than you and I. Raises the possibility that the elongated dark red object, which is ten times as long as it is wide, was traveling at speeds of upwards of 196,000 miles an hour, that it might have an artificial origin. It may have been a fully operational probe sent intentionally to Earth, to Earth's vicinity by an alien civilization, they wrote in the paper, which has been submitted to the Astrophysical Journal Letters. Okay, so this is Harvard University mm-hmm. saying that, that, that a, an object could be a, a, a probe? Why yeah. is it this huge news? Why, why is... Where do they come up with this, though? No, I think that they come up with it because they can't tell what it was. And, it, Are and they it,
0: saying it's under intelligent control? That's what
1: they... Yeah, and if you read... And the, the article's a lot longer. I just kind of I, 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 uh, surmised it a mm-hmm, little bit. But, mm-hmm. but basically, the object changed speeds a mm-hmm, couple of times. Mm-hmm. It actually moved it, it seemingly intelligent, intelligent. It didn't... You know, like a, an asteroid or a comet continues along a straight path unless, yeah. it's, unless it's impacted by gravitational forces, in which mm-hmm. case they can predict that.
0: Yeah. This thing moved. Like random movement. Yeah.
1: And... And it's gone now. It was here for a while. It but they helped. never
0: got any pictures of this thing.
1: Yeah, this. Well, no, no. They, not picture pictures. They got like radio frequency. I see. You know, they can kind of tell how big yeah. it is, that kind of thing. Yeah.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: So I don't know about that.
2: But it's well, Harvard University. You know, it's it's
0: honestly, I mean, it's not really wouldn't be, in my opinion, out of the realm of possibility, right? I mean, sure. We we agree that there's things out there that we can't explain. Well, what would we do
1: if we if we thought that there was life in another solar system? What was a, what would be the first thing that we would do? We would send a probe
0: of some kind. We'd try to send a probe. Yeah, I like to say the word probe. 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 But I mean even if let's say that there, uh, the, you know, the civilization was maybe a thousand years more advanced than we are. That would be a lot. It's it, it doesn't sound like a lot, but really it is. Sure, and uh, you know you they consider may have how we were 200 years ago. The technology <laughs> to send out some sort of uh, 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 craft of some kind to uh, uh, you know travel around the expanses of the universe. Yes, yes. anyway, interesting story. Hopefully, it comes back around and lands uh, on the lawn of the White House. That would be that would be fun.
1: I don't think that I want uh, President Trump be the first human to interact with the aliens because he might say something that he probably he should. might offend an alien. Yeah,
0: could be. He might go to shake He might revoke its press pass.
1: He'll take its pass away. He'll uh, grope it somehow. Oh. Anyway. All right. So uh, I think I should go first, and it's probably because my true crime case Mm. goes back further in history than yours. Oh. Is that okay? Sure. Many people believe that the phenomenon of serial killers is a a relatively recent one and that it's primarily American. This is obviously not true. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Human beings have been sick, twisted weirdos since we first crawled out of the ocean and sprouted legs. Do you believe in that theory that we've crawled out, we crawled out—we used to be fish—and crawled out of the ocean and sprouted legs?
0: No, I think that's a metaphor. To be honest, okay. I think first life forms uh, emerged from the the muck in the waters, the primordial ooze of not, the ocean, but not mankind. Uh, <laughs> not specifically. No. Okay.
1: So there's always been killers, but when did history first start keeping records of, his, of killers in the serial f- variety? And I don't mean like Captain Crunch, which just cuts up the roof uh, of your Fruity mouth. Pebbles. Captain Crunch makes your mouth feel like a, a tattered mess of, yeah. of bandages.
0: You get that Captain Crunch mouth, yeah. shard bits of flesh.
1: <laughs> so, anyway, we're going to talk about a guy by the name of Giles de Ray. You ever mm. hear of him? Yeah, I'd have. Mr. de Ray, let's call him Giles, was a well respected military commander in the French army in the early 1400s. So, we're going back a long time. He was born into a noble family and from an early age displayed remarkable intelligence and aptitude for military studies. As a young man, he married a very wealthy lady and thusly became really, really wealthier, which is not really a good term. Mm-hmm. He then took an interest in ongoing Hundred Years' War with England, as so named because... It was seven years long? It was a hundred years long. Oh. War between England and France. As the homeland of Giles de Ray was a hotly disputed piece of property between the two warring nations. Wasn't he friends with Joan of Arc? Aha! Oh. Stop jumping ahead! Oh, sorry. When Joan of Arc appeared on the scene in 1429, <laughs> he was assigned by the Dauphin... Which was later Charles the uh, five, six, seventh, <laughs> to watch over her in battles. So he was just basically assigned to be her bodyguard. Are you going to talk about Joan of Arc at all?
0: Not really. What What is a quick uh, your thoughts on her? Quickly. Well, she was a, uh,
1: a peasant girl, if I remember correctly, that mm-hmm. was supposedly uh, influenced by uh, divine forces right. and led her peoples to victory. Right. I don't know a whole
0: heck of a lot besides that. Well, she's a saint because they said that she was martyred. Uh, that that God, that's why. God intervened. And was telling her what to do, and she was hearing yes. voices from God. Yes. When in reality, more than likely, she had a uh, mental disorder. Could be. And was schizophrenic <laughs> and was hearing voices. It could be. Either way, she's a saint. Anyway. So that uh, Joan of Arc and Giles de Ray fought together in some of the
1: most major battles of the war, including the Siege of Orleans. In 1429, he was appointed to the position of Marshal of France. Marshal of France. France's <laughs> highest military distinction. Mm-hmm. After Joan was burned at the steak, which you know happened, not the steak like a porterhouse, mm. but a steak like a piece of wood. You like cube steak? No, it's
0: gross. Uh, well, on a sandwich, like a steak sandwich, that's the kind of steak that you have for a steak sandwich. Yeah, but you got to shave it thinly. Then, well, it comes shaved usually. It's got to be extra thin. I don't like any uh, connective tissue. Well, no, you can't have like a you can't take like a T bone and make a sandwich out of well, it. Well, if you shaved it enough, you could. I
1: don't know, like a Mach three. You have a Mach? You have? A, I don't subscribe to the whole expensive razor. Nah. Plus, it's, waste it's the money. no-shave November anyways. So anyway, Joan was burned at the stake, and old Giles kind of drifted away from the mili- from military matters and began squandering his huge fortune on palaces and entourages and fine wines and, and, hookers che- and cocaine. cheeses and whatnots. Cheeses and co- and hookers. But mysteriously and ongoing for several years, children, mostly boys, began disappearing from the countryside Uh-oh. nearby Giles de Ray's most wonderful palace. Nothing was thought much about at the time. It was commonplace back in the day for kids to go missing because of... Plagues and traveling circuses and fire swamps and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So it seemed as if if Giles was spending his... uh, It seems as if Giles was spending his vast fortune too quickly. And he sought to employ the dark arts to maintain his wealth. He started dabbling in the occult. And soon found that sacrifices were required. It just so happens that the sacrifices he needed to make were right in line with his disgusting pedophilia and serial killer tendencies. Ah! Giles had been luring kids to his palace with promises of food and money and then raping and killing them in gruesome ways, which is not funny that at all. That sounds horrific. He had his servants do a lot of the snatching of the kids and disposing of the bodies, but not before he had his way with them.
0: They he, must have been well-paid paid servants to be, be yeah. doing that. Yeah,
1: even after death. Really disgusting stuff. Oh, like necrophilia? I, yes. I'm not going to get into too much detail, but he was a big fan of the necrophilia. But one day, Mr. Giles slipped up. After a fight he was having with the local church. I don't, I don't know why he was fighting with the local church. He probably went in there. You ever been to church? You're not a church-going man yourself, but when you were a kid, you ever go to church in the, in the wintertime and it's freezing cold because yes. they won't turn on the heat? They won't. And then they, they try to berate you from the podium. you got to give go, them money. Yeah. They go, oh, we're only going to turn the heat on if you, if you give more money. We're not going to start this service until you uh, give over, hand over your paychecks. No one goes to heaven until you pay us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he was having a fight with the local church. Giles uh, actually kidnapped a local priest for some reason. The church was very powerful at the time, and Giles was arrested and put on trial. Ecclesiastical court, if you will. Oh. Several peasants from nearby villages also came forward to state that their children had gone missing after begging at Giles' castle. In one instance, a furrier, you know what a furrier is? A furry? That's, somebody That's who when they dress up a like costume, a, right? wear a costume to have sex. No, a furrier is like somebody who, uh, I think I think they, they uh, it's like taxidermy or something like that. Oh. I don't know. A furrier relayed how his 12-year-old apprentice had been borrowed by the DeRay's, and ne- by De- Giles DeRay, and never seen again. Eventually, under threat of torture, Giles confessed to the crimes, saying, quote, when the said children were dead, he kissed them, and those... Oh, wait a minute. This wasn't him saying that. Somebody else said this. When the said children were dead, he kissed them, and those who had been the most handsome had their limbs and heads held up for him to admire. And he had their bodies cruelly cut open, and took delight at see- the sight of their inner organs. Isn't Ooh. that pleasant? As a reward, Giles Ray was simultaneously burned alive and hung in 1440. Uh, it's estimated that he killed upwards of 200 children.
0: Well, you know, I guess everybody has their everybody has their thing. You know, we all have hobbies. That, that's the thing. <laughs> and uh, you know, Giles, you know, he was looking for something to pass the time. Well, you know, this just it just goes to show you that rich and powerful people
1: always get away with with stuff yes and it doesn't and in this case this is the most disgusting thing you could possibly do to somebody and he get away with it but for he, a long time because he he's rich
0: the, here's the problem with being rich and powerful and, and and that's actually a theme that runs into my story oh which you're going to see later on but that's what we call a segue. especially when you're born into money and you're privileged yes uh you and think you rules don't, don't apply? To you yet. don't know what the real world is like, and right. you try to find new and interesting ways to entertain yourself. Right. That's why. That's why
1: people go to like this Met Gala and they wear a, crazy costumes and stuff. Mm. I wonder at what point. What point do you think somebody stops becoming a normal person and starts being a rich crazy person? Like you said, they have to be born into it. Or like, let's say somebody like a local local hero Tom Brady. Mm. Tom Brady has everything the world could possibly uh, give you. He's a Multi-multi-millionaire. He's got a beautiful wife, and she makes more money than him. And he's, he's so handsome. He's a handsome man. He's got, you know, children. He and looks good in football pants. Yep. yep. So he he obviously doesn't live in the same world as you and I. So he can, you know, at what point does he become a, uh, not a normal person anymore? He starts doing weird stuff. Well, he's not normal. No, I know that now. He does weird stuff. Well, it took him a while. That's what I'm saying. At what point? <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> at some point. I'm worthless. All right. Anyway. That's my uh, Giles DeRay story.
0: Okay, that's good. What do you think about ribbon candy? You know that, like the Christmas oh, uh, ribbon candy. You know ribbon; it's the sure. ribbon shaped. Sure. And it's different. There's different flavorings. I don't think I've had ribbon candy since I was a small child. I think it's like the confection of death. Remember, uh. like you'd bite it and it would like break off in the sharp. Yes, it's very dangerous pieces mm-hmm. and it would cut your esophagi mm. as it goes down. You
1: know, there's some dangerous food. We talked about Captain Crunch, ribbon candy. Mm. What other kind of dangerous foods are there? Dangerous, huh? Like a pineapple. You ever try to cut a pineapple? You catch it. cut your hands all up, man. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's pokey. It's prickly. It's pokey on the outside. Prickly and pokey like there's you. A, there's, a, there's a certain way that you got to cut that sucker. Yeah. I don't know how to cut some fruits and vegetables. How do you feel about people who solicit gifts from others um, <laughs> on Facebook? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like Christmas gifts for their kids. They solicit gifts? Yeah, like they go, hey, uh, if anybody's wondering what to get my kid for Christmas... I'll send you a link. That's pretty just on Facebook. That seems pretty presumptuous.
1: And, uh, Isn't that weird? Yeah, rude. Yeah, and obnoxious. Do you hear a buzzing noise? A the buzzing? Gov- I think the government is listening. A buzzing? The government is listening to our program. Hold
0: on, let me let me let's listen for a second. Yeah, you don't hear that? No, I don't hear it. No. What is it? It's just me, I guess. Oh, it could be. You know what that could be? The the HVAC system.
1: Oh, from the palatial. You know, yeah, I'm trying here. to keep
0: it uh, warm in here
1: for you. Well, we had to fire Kiko the uh, the receptionist. I'll uh, take some. D- due uh, to dwindling profits. <laughs> I'll
0: take some gas money before you leave. Gas. Keeping money. you warm. What, what's, your next, uh, what's your next topic? Well,
1: I think you're going to go next because I have a kind of a longer one and it's probably going to have to come after our uh, elaborate
0: halftime show. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to get into a, uh, a very interesting case. Uh, I've always found this one quite interesting. And then I did a little more uh, research on it last night. Wait, before you get into it, Yes. can I mention something that happened to me this morning? Sure. I forgot to mention at the outset. Have you ever had to deal with
1: um, Amazon for anything? In terms of what, like you bought something and then there was some kind of problem with it? Yeah, I just return it. Okay, I had a problem that I'd never had before, and I want to tell you about Amazon for a moment. Everyone, everyone likes to poo-poo Amazon and say that they're they're terrible. It's mm-hmm. just you. They fix problems faster than you could spit. They do. Unbelievable. So I had I bought something for myself, some sort of personal hygiene products that I don't want to mention, and it was same-day delivery. And I bought it yesterday. Was it an anal razor? Maybe. And I bought it in the morning. And they said, it'll be there by nine o'clock tonight. And I'm like, wow, it's same Mm. day shipping. Mm. So, you know, I was waiting for my products to come in. And in the afternoon, I get a text message, uh, an email from Amazon that said, this has been a delay. Uh, It's not gonna be there today. And I go, Mm -hmm. okay, that's disappointing, but I'll get it tomorrow. Last night, I get an email from Amazon that says, you're not getting it at all. Oh, it's been lost. Oh, which has never happened to me, right? Wow, okay. Never happened to me, said it's been lost. Contact us for options. So I get on there. I didn't even have to talk to somebody. I get on there this morning. It says chat. The little chat button oh, yeah, on there. Yeah. I go, here's my order number. It says it's lost. This lady, I swear to God, gets on in two seconds. She goes, I have your order. Um, we're going to issue an immediate refund. Plus, we're going to give you $5 uh, credit Ooh. for your troubles. And we're going to reorder it for you. It'll be there tomorrow. Wow, that's amazing. Can you believe that?
0: No what? must, no fuss. No must, no fuss. You know what happened to me a few weeks ago? No. I myself ordered an item. Oh, not from Amazon, from a different dog uh, company. Was it? Was it from uh, uh, Venus, Venus? Yeah, <laughs> Venus uh, uh, intimate pleasures. Yes, <laughs> that's right. It was some sort of a latex uh, uh, covering. Good thing you don't have a latex allergy. But anyway, so they uh, they sent me a confirmation email, yep. and then they said that it had shipped, and they sent me a tracking number, right? Okay. But every time I checked the tracking number, which was probably every 15 seconds, it couldn't locate the item. It just said that it had (laughs) shipped and it wouldn't update. That's because it was probably the post office. The post office doesn't tell you where anything is. So like a week went by and I finally finally emailed them back. And I said, said, hey, listen, uh, you know, I'm not getting any updates on this uh, on this tracking number. So they emailed me back and said, we cannot find your product. (laughs) Someone stole it. We don't know where it is.
1: We don't know where it is. So
0: we're sending out another one immediately. Okay. So they sent out another, uh, a separate tracking number from for the new item that they had sent me, right? Yes. That day, in the mail came the lost item. Oh, so you ended up with a double. I ended up with a double for the Did price you, of one. You didn't send it back? I didn't send You're it back. You're a criminal. I went and sold it to somebody <gasps> and made money on You're it. You're a criminal. Nope. Unbelievable. Nope. They sent it to me. You're...
1: They, You're sent an me. they sent it to me. They sent it to this person. They gave it to me. Oh, you did, you abused the trust of whatever that company. So that was. I actually
0: made money on the deal.
1: You know what? I don't think you should admit to things like that on the radio. No, I'm
0: kidding. That never happened. No. Anyway, so the case I'm going to talk about okay. is a little known uh, true crime case. True? You know how many true crime podcasts? There's millions of There's A lot, and they get more listens than we do. Mm-hmm. It's the case of Leopold and Loeb. Oh, Leopold. Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb. Like earlobe. It was called. The perfect crime. Or at least they thought it was the perfect crime. Obviously not, because we know their names. That's exactly what they were trying to plot. <laughs> they were trying to plot the perfect crime, but as you will see, it turned out not to be. You think there's such a thing as a perfect crime? Well, if you get away with it, it's a perfect crime. You, you wouldn't know their names. That's true. Women do shop. Mm. So, on May twenty second, 1924, a body was found. Oh. In a culvert.
1: What's a culvert? Yeah, like you know, a like a,
0: a little ditchy cutout thing, wet and mucky. said ditchy. So there was a 14-year-old boy named Bobby Franks. Oh, Bobby. He was a. Uh, it was a Chicago boy, and uh, he went missing uh, the day before, on the 21st of May, from his local uh, Chicago neighborhood. Uh oh. That's right. What was that noise? That was a fart. Oh, sorry. So apparently, there was a ransom note uh, sent to the parents hmm. demanding money, demanding so a whole like, bunch of money, kidnapping for money. I got it. That's right. But it turns out that they actually killed the kid before oh. they were able to collect on the on the ransom. So as you'll see later on, they never actually intended. I was going to really say collecting the money. if you're going to be a kidnapper uh
1: you probably want to keep your cargo alive. That's right. cuz you can get money for it.
0: But they want they, the the murder was what they planned all along. They wanted they, to kill they the person. They wanted to kill somebody regardless. Okay. But the boy was uh he was bludgeoned to death. Eat. Uh they was acid poured on his face and his genitals. Ow. Uh he was stripped naked like I said he was left in a, in a uh, What jerks. Uh, in a culvert hmm. uh and and they in, in the suspects Leopold and Loeb. Was there a sexual component to this? Ah, I'm going to get to that. Oh, I'm sorry. Later on. Hey. Uh, yes. That's Very right. Gross. What? Nothing. Oh. So it was a hugely sensational case at the time, back in 1924. I much like the O.J. case was uh, several years ago for us.
1: Yes. Did they you just... see The People versus O.J.
0: Simpson, the Netflix show? Uh, I watched one episode. It was great. And that was it. I couldn't take it.
1: Oh, anymore. you're insane. It was great. It was Cuba Gooding Jr. was a great O.J. No, no. Yes. You think so? And uh, John Travolta played Robert
0: Shapiro, mm. and he did a great job. It's funny you mentioned Robert Shapiro. So th- Robert Crow. Who was the uh, the state's attorney and the lead investigator uh, in this case? So when the police found the body, right? They originally had few clues to work on. Okay, so they had the ransom note. Okay, right? They uh, they had a, an eyewitness that said there was a gray sedan in the area. I wonder if it was one of those notes that like you cut out
1: the letters from the uh, from the newspaper and they're all weird. Oh yeah, those, those letters weird.
0: scare me. They do scare me. When you see that, you're like, uh. but actually, it turns out that it was it was actually uh, typed. Well, the the envelope was handwritten. Oh. but the letter itself was typed, and they were able to uh, tie that into our suspects later on, uh-huh. as you'll see. And they were a pair of um, eyeglasses left at the scene. They were kind of like Harry Potter glasses, you know, the, oh, round, the round ones, yeah. black uh, glasses. Sure. And uh, so they were able to find out, the police, at the time, when, when uh, they relied m- merely on their cunning and instincts. On their cunning. To, uh, to solve these cases. Yes. Well, they didn't have the forensics ability to do, do, do today. But as you'll see, like I said, they took they were able to find the uh, manufacturer of these glasses. Oh. And they found that there were only three pair of glasses that were made with this particular type of hinge. What kind of an idiot leaves their glasses behind? Well, they must have fell out of the pocket. Cr- at
1: a crime scene.
0: So they determined that the three people uh, who had uh, these particular glasses, one was a, was a female. She was... Uh, Quickly ruled out as a suspect. How did they find the person that bought it? They didn't have credit card receipts and stuff. Oh, of course. At the time, they used to keep invoices of everything. They invoices.
1: Ra- so if I go in there with some money and I want
0: these Harry Potter glasses, no, you get writers Why receipt? do I have to
1: write my name on? They used to keep notes, man. Keep keep track. Keep There's always somebody
0: watching. Keep somebody always always knows when I buy the body lube. <laughs> so anyway, the pair of the glasses came back to uh, Nathan Leopold, bag butter, which originally they they uh, uh, they didn't think it was it was him because he came from a uh, a very rich. Uh, part of Chicago's South Side. Uh, rich, rich people never commit crimes. The Kenwood uh, neighborhood. He was a young boy. He was 19 years old. Mm. Uh, it seemed very doubtful that he would have been a, a suspect, but he was brought in anyway. Ooh. And uh, quickly his story became, uh, started to unravel for him. Was that back in the day, though, when the cops used to just
1: beat you for no reason?
0: Like, well, tell us if you did it, and they punch you in the face. It's quite possible. And, you know, if you look at pictures of Leopold, he had a Terrible unibrow. <laughs> so that right there will there, tell you that he was guilty. That's a that's a huge indication of
1: guilt is the unibrow. So
0: apparently uh, Leopold was uh, he was uh, studying for law school. Like I said, he was a prominent uh, family at the time. Where his family was worth about four million dollars in 1924 money. Oh, so uh, that's, that's a, a lot, lot of money. money. So apparently Crow spent many many hours uh, uh, interrogating Leopold. Who's Crow? I just told you. Oh, he was the state's attorney, the lead investigator. Attorney. That's right. Mr. Crow, Mr. Crow. So Leopold's original story, uh, when they confronted him about the eyeglasses, was that he was an avid bird watcher, Ooh. and he was out making a film about the Kirtland Warbler.
1: What's a Kirtland Warbler? It's a little.
0: <laughs> it's a it's a cute it's, little bird.
1: It sounds like the, it sounds like the nickname of a lounge singer. I'm going to see Joe the Kirtland Warbler at the uh,
0: at Hey the, Kirtland Warbler at the Dewdrop Inn. That's it. <laughs> so apparently he he said that he did a lot of expeditions around the area where the body was found, and he must have dropped his glasses. Must have. That's right. How can you see without these glasses? Well, they must have been just reading glasses. Just like Velma from Scooby-Doo. She could
1: not see without her glasses. And her glasses used to fall off almost every episode. That's right. You figured she would get one of those Elastabang things or the Chris Sabo glasses. Remember the Chris Sabo glasses from the... From the yeah? Uh, you need a croquis.
0: Croakies. A croquis. Yeah, stupid Velma. Yeah. So Louis- Leopold, uh, Leopold, or Leopold, whatever you want to call him. Leopold. Le- uh, gave an alibi that him and uh, his buddy Richard Loeb were driving around town the night of the murder in his Red Willis Knight, uh, which was a vehicle. Ooh, that sounds cool. Yeah,
1: they are blasting some tunes. Well, this is the 20th. well.
0: You ready? They were they were actually. He said they were out drinking. Oh, uh, drinking, around, uh, drinking around, drinking around, drinking <laughs> around. Well, they were drinking around. You'll I bet see they later. Were. Uh, they were out looking for girls, cruising the plaza. Apparently, they picked up a couple of girls. They uh, fooled around with them. They wanted to have sex. The girls wouldn't have sex with them. Well, that's the story of my life. So they uh, they dropped them off, and that was his, that was original alibi. So at least they dropped them off. They were nice. Yeah. So the police obviously they went and they searched uh, the the home of uh, Leopold mm. Leopold. Uh, they they found and they looked in his room in his study. They actually found a letter to Richard Loeb, oh. his buddy Richard, right? Imagine if Richard Loeb invented a, a new kind of sexual lubricant. It could be mm. Loeb's lube, <laughs> Dick Loeb's lube, Loeb lube, Dick's
1: lobe lube.
0: <laughs> right, continue. Uh, anyway, so the letter actually suggested that uh, Leopold and Loeb were gay lovers. Loeb, Eh, they need the lube. Yes, they were homosexuals. Oh, so. And that was scandalous back in the day. Yes, and so it was, this is just like a weird dynamic between these two.
1: So, yeah, so was, you know, and, and t- the typical stereotype of homosexual men is they're nice
0: dudes, and they wouldn't engage in this type of behavior, mm. wouldn't you think? Well, you have to think, back in the day, back in this time, where people were suppressed, uh, you couldn't be outwardly homosexual. Oh, so it probably led you to know, a lot of stressors. Exactly. Yeah. So apparently the, the police brought Richard Loeb in for questioning. And so Loeb was actually a genius. Was so- it a crime to be gay? back in the back in those days. Well, yeah. Was it against the law? Well, I don't know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail your kind. That's of okay. You. So, uh Loeb was a was a very smart young man. Apparently, he graduated high school at age 14 oh. and he immediately uh went to the University of Chicago uh-huh. as a freshman at the age of 15. Hey, this is called foreshadowing. The University of Chicago shows up later in this program Oh, too. it does. Yep. So his father was the vice president of Sears and Roebuck at the time and was worth about $10 million, which now, as we know, Sears and Roebuck is pretty much defunct. Sears sucks. Right? Did they completely go out of business? No, they still
1: have some stores uh, open, but they are uh, circling the drain as we speak. Mm. Hmm.
0: So Loeb actually uh, corroborated uh, Leopold's alibi. So they must have obviously talked about this before. Sure and uh they were but they were kept in custody cuz the police were were skeptical about this and there was a lot of circumstantial uh evidence that was uh that was mounting not quite the perfect crime and as i stated earlier the handwriting on the ransom note uh on the envelope mm-hmm. was actually uh, they matched it to uh to leopold's handwriting and as well as the the typewriter that was used to uh type oh, yeah. the the actual note itself came back to uh something that uh, a typewriter that it leopold It was a Worlitzer. It was a it was a Wobbler.
1: Wobbler. Yes. That's going to be my new nickname for my penis.
0: So this. <laughs>
1: it's going to be the Cuckland Warbler. Tell your wife. It's coming tonight, ladies. <laughs> Cuckland Warbler. <laughs> it's Kirtland Warbler. Oh, Kirk- warbler. Kirkland warbler. Kirtland Wobbler. Kirtland. Not Wobbler. No,
0: Kirtland. Because <laughs> it definitely does do that. Warb- war- war- it's hard to say Warbler. Warbler. It's W A R B L E R. Warbler. That's going to be my
1: euphemism for, for, for a sexual uh, congress. Mm. Yes. Are you ready for some Kirkland wobbler? (laughs) It's Kirkland. Kirkland? Not Kirkland. Oh, not
0: Captain Kirk. Uh, You want to give me a little bit of wobbler? Here comes some wobbler, baby. Bite the pillow, I'm coming in. Yeah, here she comes, baby. Wobbler. Wobbler. Backdoor wobbler. Backdoor action. All right. (laughs) Anyway, so these two withstood hours and hours of interrogation. Ah. Until finally Loeb cracked. They beat him with a phone book. Nope. Loeb confessed first. Uh oh. Yep. What do you say? (laughs) <laughs> he act, these, these two idiots, as intelligent as, they the were, <laughs> as intelligent as they were, they started singing like a Kirtland warbler and basically <laughs> dropping everything that they did and how oh. they planned it and all this other crazy I nonsense. I you, they were beating him with a rubber hose filled with lead. <laughs> so Leopold confessed, but he blamed his buddy. Oh, they always do that. He blamed Loeb.
1: They always do that, man. I'm not going to blame you. No. No, I wouldn't. You wouldn't blame me? No, I would yes, blame you. Yes, you would. No, you throw wouldn't. me under the bus your first opportunity.
0: Oh, oh. I would, oh yeah, I would, uh, take one for the team. No nope. Well, you just want to go to jail so you can be in the shower. So, so apparently the, uh, the murder they spent months planning this thing. Months and months, and this is what happened. <laughs> they rented a car under an assumed name. Uh, they typed a note, they did all that stuff. They drove around looking for a victim. They didn't oh, have anybody. So they in mind. typed
1: the note before they even selected the victim.: That's
0: correct. Oh. Yes. But then they saw Bobby Frank, who so apparently was a cousin of Richard Loeb. Oh, and which Lo- explains why he would have gotten the car. That's without... right. So mm. they, they pulled up next to him. Loeb was actually in the back seat and invites Bobby into the front seat. Uh-oh. As soon as he gets in, they kill him. What? Yes. Why'd they do this? They bludgeoned him with a chisel, right? Oh. Then they shoved a rag in his mouth. Oh. And then they drove to the wetlands. Well, uh, that happens
1: to me, but not, I don't end up dying.
0: On the way there with the dead body in the car, they actually stopped for hot dogs and root beer. Oh. Because uh, they were hungry and thirsty. With the dead body? Before they dropped the body off. Ew. And as I said, they poured acid on his face. And his Why'd they do that? His genital. Were they trying to disfigure they him? They were trying to obscure, uh, uh, obfuscate his, uh, well, his identity. Well, the fact that they poured
1: acid on his genitalia makes me think that they fondled him or something like that. Well, there,
0: like I said, there was a, uh, uh, that came out in the uh, the sentencing hearing was mm-hmm. that uh, apparently there was a sexual component. I bet there was. That they uh, molested the, uh, the young man before and after death. Well, you said they killed him immediately. So how did they molest him? Well, you know, things happen. You know, we're just not sure. So apparently uh, they, took, they took Crow, the, the investigator, Crow. and the entire uh, prosecution team on a guided tour of you exactly what they did. You ever see, they do that sometimes. They take people to, they take the juries and everything to crime scenes, that's right on these little field trips and stuff, right? So uh, not to keep going and going about this, but so they, they, they were apparently uh, they were a couple of sociopaths. Loeb uh, was apparently the mastermind behind this whole thing uh-oh. Uh, when they had met years earlier and he had some strange influence over Nathan Leopold. And as I stated, they were uh, they were lovers. And they had a secret pact, basically. They wanted and, to kill somebody. Uh, so they started out with petty crimes, right? Loeb wanted to do all these things. He was doing, like, vandalisms, uh, like, little arsons, and he was doing thefts. I have
1: a friend, a very famous friend, uh, in the uh, firearms instruction industry, yep, named uh, William Petty. Okay. And uh, if he committed a crime, it would be a petty crime.
0: Eh. Anyway. That was kind of silly. Sorry. But anyway, the secret pact was Richard would agree to have sex with Nathan mm-hmm. uh, if he accompanied him on his crimes. And like I said, it started with um, petty misdemeanors and things of that sort. But then the, the ultimate crime was that they were going to commit this uh, this perfect murder. Ooh. Yes, which you is know, what they did. Again,
1: they should have thought about this in greater detail. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're two people who are going to commit such a heinous crime, mm. heinous crime, you would probably like plan for the eventuality that you are arrested. You should probably have a, a cover story and stick to
0: it. Mm. Wouldn't you think? So they, they, they actually subscribe to the theory of the Ubermensch. What's that? Which is the Superman uh, theory proposed by Frederick Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Yes. Who basically says that uh, uh, people are, you know, you're so great, you're so wonderful, you're so smart, you're so uh, wealthy that you're actually above society and law Uh, and and morality. So like the self, I got it. So it didn't matter to them. You know what I mean? They 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 thought they were above the law. They thought they were above everything. So this became, like I said, uh, just to cut to the chase. Uh, it became a very sensational trial. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing was that the prosecutor was was seeking the death penalty, and the the lawyer for uh, these two, I think his name was Sparrow or something Uh-oh. of that sort, a warbler. <laughs> he was it's advocating bird for references today. He actually, it was crows actually a, and uh, warblers, and it was actually a a, a a red letter date in the history of prosecutions and defenses, mm. because the defense attorney actually came out and uh, entered a plea of guilty. Oh! Ah. He didn't want to defend them because he knew that he couldn't win the case, but he was trying to save them from the death penalty.
1: Well, that happens a lot. And
0: so he argued and argued and had to sentencing hearing. He talked actually for three days, the defense attorney did. And uh, believe it or not, they actually got off. They didn't get the death penalty. Wow. They got sentenced to uh, life in prison. Did they get shanked? Uh, Loeb was killed uh, early on because he apparently uh, solicited sex from somebody. He can't uh, help himself. And the the person didn't want that, and he killed him. No, he didn't want that. But the other guy, uh, Nathan Leopold, was uh, released from prison in the the 1950s. He actually got out. He got out of prison. Wow. He was uh, paroled, even though he was sentenced to life, plus 99 years. That's not good. Somehow he was paroled, and then he lived out his days uh, in obscurity, apparently. Wow. So it was a very interesting case. You know, you've hear, you hear Leopold and Loeb mentioned, but you, you do. don't
1: really hear the, the details of it. It's just
0: the, uh, uh, you know, it makes people wonder, like, why? Like, why did they, you know, Again bored, people bored rich down people. this course?
1: Again, rich people who had nothing else to do, think they're above the law.
0: You know, if you're a millionaire, you
1: could probably pay somebody to uh, allow you to molest them. Or maybe that was, that's not exciting enough. That happens. Of course. All right, so what do you got? You got a bit or something? Okay, is it the halftime program? Yeah. All right, so... Yeah, let me let me pull up my notes for the halftime. Don't show. Don't pull
0: anything out. I'm gonna pull it out. Oh, you you're ruff, ruffling around in your papers there. We, oh, are we ready to go? Like right into it?
1: Yeah, get into it. <clears throat> okay. Here we go mm. for our halftime show today. We have an old friend that's going to be visiting us. Oh, okay. Beloved Frank. Oh, friend of the program. Uh, the, you've known you'd know Frank from uh, previous. Uh, um, commercials and and, and advertising campaigns, Uh, we had the Door Store, we had uh, Frank Skanks and Frank's uh, uh, Adult Cabaret and Hot Dog Emporium. I've been wondering what Frank's been up to. But today, we have Frank coming back to the program because he has been recently pursuing his dream of becoming a recording artist. Oh. He has joined us today to release some of his lyrical stylings upon the world, like some kind of vocal viscous ejaculate. Your job, Jason, yes. will be to listen okay. to the lyrics of these famous songs, yes. as could be sung only by Frank, mm. and then tell me uh, the artist and the song. Okay. Okay, so, so Frank's going to Frank's gonna come in here and Do I moment. need to
0: introduce Frank? Yeah, I'm going to introduce Frank, and then maybe he'll stay for a couple of questions. Oh, wait. Hey, there he is. <coughs> Frank. Hi. Come on. Come on over here. Get down. i hey, got you? a microphone set up hey. for you. Hey, there's a microphone over here for All right, you. All right, have a seat. Hi. All right, what are we doing, Frank?
2: All right, I'm going to sing songs today. Uh... And you're going to tell me who uh, made it famous.
0: I got to, this is, name you name that tune by Frank.
2: Name that tune. Name Frank's tune. I can't promise it's going to be just like the original. Maybe better.
0: Okay. <clears throat> Do you need any background music? <clears throat> no? All right.
2: Father McKenzie, writing the words of him, and no one will hear. No one comes near there, look at him walking. Dying in fact spend the night when no one's there. More than he can. Frank, do you need a lozenge? No.
0: You know what's funny? Uh, your stylings are so unique but yet distinct oh. that uh, I got that within the first line. You're done. That was uh, Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles. That's right. Oh, thank you. Congratulations. Yes. I think
2: I'm better than, what? than Paul McCartney.
0: Well, could be. You know, you could be the fifth Beatle or the sixth. Or I, was
2: the the, I was the first Beatle. Are
0: I, I, I we ready for round two? Yes, that was that was pretty easy. That was that was, that was good though. I, uh, I I picked that one up, but you're gonna. I, I imagine they're gonna get more difficult, Frank. I think they. I think they are. Just looking at the set list here. Okay. And uh, afterwards, we'll tell you where to find Frank. Okay.
2: And we can <coughs> download the music. Okay. Here we, here we go. <clears throat> you ready, Frank? Yeah. Sunday morning, I went down to the church, seeing the men folk standing in line. I say they come to pray to the Lord with little girls who look so fine. In the evening, the sun is sinking low, everyone is with the one they love there. I walk into town, searching all around, looking for my street corner girl.
0: Street corner girl.
2: Yeah. No, no, is that your guess?
0: I, I, the, the lyrics are slightly familiar, but uh, I, the, the tenor and tone of the song, you can't I, could, get it. I couldn't figure no. it out. That's uh, Hey, Hey, What Can I Do by Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't have got with that. that. one? I wouldn't have got that. No? No.
1: Well, Led Zeppelin is one of those bands that they don't—they seldomly tell the, 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 the title. The title. Right, the it's always like a weird title. Although those words do appear in that
0: song, Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? Like uh, that, that obscure Led Zeppelin song, the Swampy Kirtland Wobbler. Yes. All
1: right. <clears throat> okay, you ready? I'm this ready. This one's probably a little easier. Okay. Ready for this one? Are you ready, Frank?
2: Yeah. Einstein, James Dean, Brooklyn, Scott Team, Davy Crockett, Peter Pan, Elvis <laughs> Presley, Disneyland, Bardol, Budapest, Alabama, Cousin, Princess, The Grace in Peyton Place, and Trouble in Mysore. Uh,
0: is that Stop the Fire by Billy Joel? We didn't Start the Fire by Billy we Joel. We didn't Start the Fire. Yes. Yes. All right. Oh, you got that one. All so right. two You got two right. Two out of three. Two out of three. Okay, we got
1: one. Well, we got two more. Got two more. Got time for two?
0: Yeah. All
1: right. Here we go. This one's a little difficult. You got to stay with me now. I'm staying. You ready, Frank? Let's go. Uh,
2: There were times, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off more than I could chew and stuff. But all through it, there was doubt. I ate it up and spit it out. I faced it all and stood tall. And did it my way.
0: That's uh, My Way by Frank Sinatra. Yay! That was, you gave me, gave me, gave it to me. The end. At the end there. Well, Frankie, you know, he's not, not the swiftest. Oh, sorry, Frank.
1: Not funny. All right, one more. Ready for this? I'm ready. This one's going to be sung, I think, instead of spoken. Oh, all right, let's hear it. The other ones are kind of spoken. Right, Frank?
2: Uh, Here we go. I'll go the flow two seas. Darling, so it goes to be meant to end him taking my hands and hold the whole life of the two. What? Falling, they can't help falling in love with you. Oh, I was... can't help falling in love with Elvis Presley. Yes! Oh, you exactly. got it. Yeah, yeah, all right. yeah,
0: that's good. All right. See, it's all right. You can get it. That was pretty good. You know, it'd be better if he had a, maybe like a live accompaniment. Accompaniment, uh, musical yeah. Musical accompaniment. Uh, maybe that's what we'll do. We'll do a, uh, a song with Frank, an actual song. Can I mention something? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Frank. What are you up to nowadays? Uh, well,
2: aside from being a uh, recording artist, I am also having a problem at home. I am uh, in search of someone to help uh, have a problem with my leech field.
0: Okay. Like your your septic tank?
2: Yeah, I ran out of leeches, so I need to find something to put in my field. Uh-huh. Uh
0: huh. do you know anyone? Uh, no. Do you have any? Uh, maybe that maybe that should be a uh, a new business endeavor for you. I know the first two didn't work out so well. No. Uh, the door store burned down. No and,
2: one wanted pine doors with no paint on them.
0: What happened to uh Frank Skanks and Frank? Is that still going, or is it? Uh, have you have you closed the doors uh, on that as well?
2: I I had to shut down due to some allegations. Allegations and, and uh, allergens as maybe, well? Maybe some mold.
0: Okay. So what are you, you just hanging out at home uh, watching the leech field? Leech
2: field is not going well. That's too bad. I went
0: outside right. and I got poop on my shoe. Were you able to uh, mend fences with your, your brothers uh, after the fire? Don't
2: oh. stand. I don't want nothing to do with them. All right. Bye. All
0: right, see ya. Oh, there goes. All right, bye, Frank. No, that was fun. Well, no, that was Frank. Sorry. <laughs>
1: I don't know how we got in here. I don't.
0: Know. Oh, you know uh-huh. how we fired Miko. Wait, how did he even know where we were? As a matter of fact, he must
1: have he must have trailed me here today. Mm. <laughs> he put a GPS tracker. He on does his leave. Vehicle. He lives nearby. Oh, my home. He lives in the woods behind the shed. Yeah. All right, all right. We are we on to the next? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. The next true crime story of the day. We are going to go back. Back in time. Get in your backwards wayward machine with me as we peruse the late 1800s. Oh. We are going to foray until one of history's more disgusting folks and uh, tell you about his exploits. Okay. During the Industrial Revolution, lots of people left their homes and towns and pursued life in the growing cities. Yes. Which had job opportunities, better food options, and hookers and stuff like that. Better hookers in the cities mm-hmm. than in the rural communities. Similarly to Giles DeRay, who we discussed earlier, this person was born into a wealthy family and was born with the name, the unfortunate name of Herman Mudgett of Gilmanton, New Hampshire, nearby to where we are. Mm -hmm. Young Herman was a very intelligent man as well, and he showed an interest in medicine. Unfortunately for local woodland creatures, Herman began trapping them and conducting rudimentary surgical procedures on them as a child.
0: Isn't that a uh, red flag for uh, possible serial killers when they uh, torture animals? Yes.
1: So Herman Mudgett, uh, he was born in New Hampshire to a wealthy family, starts, starts uh, doing surgery on animals, which, yeah, should be a red flag. Some accounts suggest that he also killed a young playmate, but records don't show this. Uh, n- when I say playmate, I don't mean, like, from Playboy magazine. Mm. This is like a little boy oh, that he was playing one with. One of his little friends he used to play uh, jacks with. Anyway, young Mr. Mudgett grew to young adulthood and decided to try his hand at actual medicine, so he attended the University of Michigan, which was known for its medical program. During his schooling, Mudgett began... Uh, what would become a pattern for him, and that's taking out life insurance policies on people who unfortunately die soon thereafter. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's a coincidence. That, that has nothing to do with one another. As a mediocre student, he somehow graduated and moved to Chicago and took up work as a pharmacist. His medical background and weirdo childhood behaviors are what we in the film business call foreshadowing. Can you see how we, uh-huh. uh-huh. we kind of skipped through quickly. But, yes. You know, unhappy with the name he was given at birth. He took up the name H.H. H. Holmes, because it sounded cooler than Midget. What does the
0: H.H. H. stand
2: for?
1: Well, H would be Herman. Yeah. And uh, I don't know where the other H came from. Homie? H.H. H. Holmes. He would use that name for the rest of his life. Also around this time, Holmes started a side business of defrauding people. And he started to date and ultimately propose to wealthy young women and kind of string them along. Yes. Hoping to somehow come into their fortune. That's right. Come Get a hold of their money. How come I can't think of stuff like this? I don't know. Did you torture animals as a I'm child? I'm just going
0: to be poor the rest of my life, I guess.
1: Yeah. At one point, old Holmesy was married to three women at the same time,
0: unbeknownst to one another. Oh, like, wow! That's a the guy can really juggle things, huh? Chicks don't like that, man. When you, uh, I can't even look at, uh, I can't even look at adult films on my phone without my wife knowing about it. That's Never true. mind, have two other wives. Yeah. Holmes somehow convinced investors at this time to
1: fund a construction project that he had proposed—a huge three-story building that took up a whole city block. This is in Chicago now. Mm-hmm. The plan was to have the first floor be shops, the third floor apartments, and the second floor would be a hotel and apartments for Holmes himself. Mm. Throughout the construction, Holmes hired and fired several architects and contractors and supplied bizarre plans to the ones that actually did some work. In this way, only he knew the exact layout and the weirdo features that were being put into the building. Here are some of the weirdo feature, weirder features that were found to be in the building afterwards. Shoots that went from different rooms straight to the basement. Well, that's kind of weird. Which, for also, the basement contained, for some reason, an industrial furnace mm-hmm. that had no business being in such a building. I see. Also, some rooms in the hotel were airtight with strange pipes leading to them. Some locked from the outside only, and others had secret passageways leading to and fro. This sounds fun. Mm. Holmes opened this building, which was then known as the Castle, in 1893, which mm-hmm. coincided with the world with the Chicago World's Fair that year. Uh, there's a very good book about this. It's called devil in the white city it came out several years ago. I see it on your bookshelf. Yes. There. Uh, actually I read, did you read it? Yeah. I course. read it myself. Very good book. Uh, and you could pick it up for next to nothing. I would definitely recommend it. Uh, it's a great in-depth examination of this case, but also of the Chicago world's fair and architecture and all sorts of cool stuff that you don't think that you would like, but it's actually a really good book. Did, did he, did he, uh, give tours of of his, uh, of his interesting building? No. Oh. As a result of the fair, of the Chicago World's Fair, thousands and thousands of tourists descended on the city of Chicago. And back then, it was fairly easy to disappear. Um, you know, they didn't, you didn't have credit cards. You didn't have um, right. receipts a lot of times.
0: No uh, GPS
1: phones. No GPS, no phones. So if you went someplace on a vacation, there's a, there's a chance that you wouldn't come back and no one would know what happened to you. Uh, some of these tourists that were com- coming to Chicago for the World's Fair ended up at Holmes's Castle and never came out. This is from Harper's Magazine now, which is a fairly... Fairly interesting magazine. Quote, It apparently was Holmes' practice to lock victims in a sealed asbestos-lined chamber and turn on gas. Immediately behind this asphyxiation chamber was another chute where the bodies could be dispatched to the basement. Some of these rooms on the second story were lined with iron plates. Some had false doors that concealed, t- concealed tiny airless chambers and nearly all had these gas connections. Hmm. The doors to all the rooms were wired to an elaborate system of... Alarm system, which rang a buzzer in Holmes' apartment if somebody tried to leave. Oh. So you're probably wondering, why the heck is he doing all this? What is he What is to gain? Well, he's getting thrill, a thrill off it. Well, there's a couple of different reasons. And then we'll get to them in a moment. The cellar, perhaps the most remarkable section of this building, uh, was fitted with operating tables, a crematory, mm-hmm. pits containing quicklime and acids, surgical instruments, and various pieces of apparatus which resembled medieval torture racks.
0: So he was setting himself up for uh, mm. some, some good times there. Yeah. Uh, some thought
1: that Holmes used these appliances to wring from his victims the whereabouts of their wealth, so he would torture them to tell them where his wealth, where their wealth could be found. Uh-huh. Others said he used them in experiments that he pro- hoped proved his pet theory that the human body could be stretched indefinitely. Oh, a treatment that ultimately would produce a race of giants. <laughs> That's what he was trying to do. No, I think you're gonna you're gonna rip a limb off. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, Holmes sometimes destroyed the bodies of his victims completely, sometimes aided by a needy skeleton articulator who answered his advertisement in the paper. So he would strip the flesh from the bones of his victims and then sell the skeletons to medical institutions. So that's partially why he was was, killing people. Yeah,
0: so he could, uh, you know, he's he's an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah. So in this way, Holmes was able to lure victims to his castle, kill them, and take their belongings and sell their bodies, which is pretty ingenious because you're stealing their stuff, you're selling their bodies, and, and that's it, right? It's a no-must-no-fuss operation. The bodies he didn't sell, he cremated in the industrial furnace that I mentioned earlier. All this was discovered after the fact that Holmes was ultimately arrested not for killing all these people, but for killing one dude in another state over a fraud dispute. Hmm. After his arrest for that killing, Holmes confessed to killing at least 27 people in his, in his murder castle, but most experts believe that it was probably closer to 200, as most of the victims were never found or reported missing at all. Sure. He later said, quote, I was born with the devil in me. He would later explain that, quote, I could not help the fact that I was a murderer. No more than a poet can help the inspiration to sing. He, uh, the castle was later demolished after the crimes were discovered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the grounds are said to be haunted to this day. You can find, uh, you can actually go there. It's, it's like a vacant lot, I think. It's like point. a little park, I think, right? Yeah. No, you're right. There's like a little park there. Yeah. But, uh, not very nice. Not, very, not a very nice story. Uh, and still shrouded in mystery. Because like you said, not a lot of records exist from the time not quite sure how many people made it into the castle and never made it out. Mm. And he really wasn't being forthcoming about it. Uh, his whole life was spent being a, a fraudster and a criminal. Uh, so you really can't trust anything that he said. No. But, it, but he's, he's
0: credited as being America's first serial killer. But you know what? It's in, in this day and age, in our society nowadays, mm-hmm. right? People would accept him. You have to accept him for who he is. I do. You do. I don't have to accept you can't. You have to accept everyone for who they are and, and what they do. Well you know what phrase, and
1: actually I had an argument with my wife the other day about this. Yes. This phrase has become popular recent in recent times. And that is when people say I was speaking my truth. Speaking your truth? First of all, there's no your truth. No. There's the truth. Right. And just because you think it's true doesn't make it so. Yes. So when people go, Oh no, I was I was telling you my truth, that's a whole bunch of nonsense. <laughs> You, you ever hear people say that? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was speaking my truth. It's their way of justifying their
0: position. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah. Anyway, that was H.H. H. Holmes. Uh, Devil in the White oh, yeah. City is the book. Yes. Pick it up. Uh, very, very interesting. And, and it was actually the Chicago World's Fair created the perfect environment for a, a budding serial killer. He like mm. had all these transients and tourists and early people coming into town looking for work on the, on the fair. He had pretty much an unlimited supply of victims to fleece. Right. Right. Um, and uh, did all sorts of weird medical experimentations on which You like know,
0: you cool. normally, and you know, normally we don't hear about uh, you know any any new serial killers that they found recently, but uh, right, you know, they're out there. They operate in the oh, shadows. Sure, sure. And uh, so always keep uh, always keep a watchful eye. Well, there's somebody that said,
1: mm. and I don't remember the exact figure, but supposedly in in a in a regular in a regular person's lifetime, you walk past. Uh, or come into contact with three or four serial killers, and you never know it. Ooh. Like because they're out there. Like you said, you, you you know you're in a crowd. You walk past people. Um, you may have interacted with somebody who was a who was a killer, and you
0: wouldn't know. Well, let me ask you this: How yes. many of serial serial killers, quote unquote, are have have serial killer tendencies, but have enough self self control to keep themselves from actually acting upon their their thoughts? <laughs> Probably way more. A lot, right? <laughs> sure. Sure. Because we all have deviant thoughts now and again, of course, don't we?
1: Of course. You know, somebody cuts you off in traffic and you think mm. about killing them. You
0: really can't do that. Well, most people have some self-control. And you wouldn't do it. Like, you just you have that thought for a second. Ah,
1: I'm going to kill you. But or, you don't actually do it. Or you
0: keep to yourself and you say, you know, sure. I'm having these uh, strange uh, sexual thoughts mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, these strange fetishes and I want to carry them out. But, well, uh, I, can't. I think that there's a there's so I just st- go lock myself in the bathroom. Well, there's a distinct line between somebody who, f- who search my phone sexually excited by killing someone and mm. then
1: sexually excited by, you know, other weird things that don't involve killing someone. Right. I think that there's a clear line between those
0: people. You know, what's funny, too? Not funny, but uh, some serial killers just kill for the thrill of killing. Yes. Yes. There's all different kinds of components. There's some that there is definitely a sexual component to it as well. Well,
1: and that's what's interesting about the Holmes, H.H. Holmes, was there wasn't supposedly a sexual component because he killed men, women, old, young, didn't matter. Mm. Uh, he was more in it for the money. So than yeah, anything so he else. didn't have a, a specific victim that he was looking no, for. No, but whereas but some do. That's right. A lot of serial killers have an, have a type that there's that they're searching for.
0: Speaking of a type, you know, there's a, there's a certain type of person. So we where we're recording this program, there's a. Uh, there's a, uh, a city right next door. It's called the City of Woonsocket. Woonsocket! Which I'm sure you've heard us talk about many a time before. It means thunder mist. And for those that are not from the area and don't know much about the city, it is a most unique city indeed. It's a pit. Um, it would be uh, the, the armpit of greater it's Blackstone gross. Valley. And we can say that because we grew up there. Grew up there. And it's getting worse as yeah, the days go it's on. It's no more fun. Which is unfortunate because it's it's a city rich in history sure uh, we're talking about the industrial Revolution yes uh, lots of uh, uh, mills in the town still yep. that were uh, very uh, prevalent back in the day every once in a while one of them goes up like a candle that's right but uh, yeah but one of the things I saw and, and it's 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 the city of pajama pants which oh we yeah mentioned before yep Every day, that's all the, hours of the day, and that's night. The issued uniform and people wandering around pant. the streets in pajama pants. Well, I saw something truly unique the other day. uh Oh, walking down a main thoroughfare in the town. Oh, was a yeah, a young lady in um, pajama pants mm-hmm. carrying a uh, a full uh, container of gasoline, a gas can, <laughs> yes. smoking a cigarette. <laughs> that's great, <laughs> uh, Darwin. That is definitely uh, yes. That is definitely a smart person right there. So uh, I wanted to continue to follow her to see what happened. You know, but, uh, it's funny you
1: mentioned. That. I saw a YouTube video the other day of a guy who was he had a campfire going. And, you know, there's always this guy mm-hmm. at campfires. And he goes, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it bigger. I'm going to pour some gasoline on it. And yes. he had a gas can. Yes. What he didn't realize was when you pour gas, it's not the gas that's flammable. It's the vapors of the, of the gasoline. Mm. So when you pour it out of the container, it travels up the vapors. And that's what happened. It traveled into his gas can and exploded. He got lit on fire and ran around like an idiot.
0: So I think I saw the same video, and I was trying to figure out why he was trying to put gas in the fire. It was already, it was already lit. going. Yeah, it was already going. It was already going. I don't know why he did that. He's an idiot. But I'm going to embarrass one of our uh, loyal fans and oh, listeners and uh, members of the program here by the name of Brent of Old Three Hundred Three Music. Oh, Brent, we like Brent because he recently did the same thing. He <laughs> did was, he did he singe his eyebrows off? He was off? starting a brush fire or some sort of fire. <laughs> He's a and pyro. he decided he was going to throw gasoline on it. Why would he do that, Brent? And he lit his leg on fire, oh. and uh, caused severe burns. Brent, and he had to put a, a salve on it. What are you doing? And brother? he was in extreme pain for long periods of time. Is it a I salve? hope you are not permanently salve. wounded by this. Who
1: told scarred. you to put the bomb
0: on? Did the maestro tell you to put the bomb on? <laughs> Nobody knows what a bomb's going to do. Bombs are unpredictable. So don't don't throw gasoline onto a fire. Yeah. That's it's uh, it's never it's never good. Old three hundred three music, uh, great great. Uh, check them out. That's right. They they produce a great product. All right, and so uh, I think we're getting close to the end here. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> here we go? Here Where we go. We going? <laughs> so I think what's going to happen is... I um, think Frank is letting the air out of your tires. I see him through the window. Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's all right. I have a... Uh, never mind. So... I think, I think what's happening now, I think the Eon Project is going to, uh, I think we're going to take a, a bit of a hiatus. Yeah, going to go on hiatus. And we're going to reevaluate what we're doing here on the Eon Project. Yep. And so to all our fans out there, uh, we're going to be off the air for, for a while. Yep. Uh, but always feel free to go back and listen to some of the past episodes. We'll keep those up. And contact us, please. If you if you enjoy the program, you want to see it keep
1: going, uh, you need to contact us at The Eon Project. That's T-H-E-E-O-N Project at Yahoo.com if you'd like what you heard. Um because we uh, we're in the uh, reevaluation
0: stage, we're going to do some uh, introspection. Yep, we're going to uh, look at each other deeply in our in the eyes. Well, we'll do that anyway, and uh, we're going to come close to touching one another, but not quite. No, nope. nope. and we're going to try to figure out where we're going with nope. this program, no, no docking, and uh, what we're going to do next, um, yep. and uh, that's about it. So, anything uh, yep. else you want to add? Enjoy the holidays. Yes. Uh,
1: n- n- wish you all the best of uh, luck in this new year coming up. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, I have nothing else to add.
0: Oh, okay. So. Just remember, until next time, the truth exists. Believe it